Hello and welcome back to the Around Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Wahana, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one Joel Linton correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello. And to his immediate left, at least on the computer screen, that is, is Ben Harris, David Harris. <laughs> Ben Harris. Ben Harris, I can't really Ben Harris. Ben, ben Harris. Go on, explain the nickname then. You want me to explain it now? It seems like a pretty good... <laughs> we just introduced well, it. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Dave, when we're halfway through a discussion of Arsenal, just bring it up. <laughs> well, I don't know much about William Saliba, but here we go. This is why I've got this nickname. Do it now, you basically, know. Basically, when I used to play football when I was like 12... Bought some yellow boots and someone started calling me Benares, like banana, and it just caught on. And everyone started calling me Benares. That's where it comes from. I don't know who, I, I don't know who I'm angry at. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I'm angry at you, Dave, for when we did the preamble for this pod, for you to say to me, when we were trying to think of a Dave nickname, you going, oh, that's not a great story. Or I'm more angry at Mike. For telling me that's a good story. Because what is that shit? <laughs> what is that? that? Two out of four of us didn't know the story, so it had to be explained. Well, right. right. I'm glad we've shared that with our two listeners. <laughs> One of them's I'm, in the call. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you guys how you're doing this week, because quite frankly, it's it's been a horrible week. Just a horrible week. Like Last week we were sat there, <laughs> sat there at the end of the pod. Mike had gone. He'd left to do something. I don't really know what. I think probably stick pins in his voodoo doll of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> and me and Dave were there. And we were like, oh, it's going to be a good episode next week. And I was thinking, oh, we're playing Arsenal. At least there'll be even a tight maybe win for Chelsea. There'll be some drama. I was thinking, I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get something to talk about. We've got an Arsenal fan coming on next week. We'll talk to him about Arteta. Like, it would be grateful if they, be great if they lost because um, that would really flow with the theme of the podcast we're going for. And then, um, and then, and then, uh, right, that's enough of that. We just had a moment there. I was quite enjoying that, to be honest. I, I don't know if you've seen, but I got my black armband on. Um, I'm just mourning, <laughs> mourning the death of our, our old um, dominance over Arsenal. But anyway, as I mentioned last week and as I mentioned this week, we have a guest for this week's podcast. It's Mr. Ross Bird, otherwise known as Pod Ross. Um, <laughs> how you doing, Mr. Ross Bird? How you feeling? Hello, lads. All right. Yeah, we're good. All right. You got a bit Dave there, Christ. Um, <laughs> it's just... When I text you to say, do you want to come on the podcast a couple of weeks ago? And I said, it'll be a good one because it'll be after Arsenal-Chelsea, the first one after the festive break. It'll be a good one to come on. Um, were you shitting it? Yeah, I mean, I haven't felt like we could win a match for about three months, Will. So, uh... <laughs> Tricky Blues turned up. And, uh, yeah, but they didn't really turn up. Um, <laughs> so, Mr. Ross Bird... Um, do you want to let the people know who you, what you're about? Obviously, you're an Arsenal fan. Do you want to tell us an Arsenal opinion that you have that someone else might not have? I don't know. I can't believe you've let him do this. <laughs> I mean, we used to have a tri- tricky little winger, Will. Um, <laughs> I can't believe this. 
I mean, I haven't, also... got the, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but... Um, oh, but they're good. They're good numbers. I know he scored over 100 goals for the club. Um, mm. Theo Walcott, well, severely underrated as an Arsenal player. Arsenal's best ever right mid in the Premier Leagues, I have heard some say. I Maybe. think I, I, I may have made that claim before. It's him or Freddie Lundberg, Will. And if you look at the stats, I mean... Freddie Lundberg. close, is it? Walcott is yet to, <laughs> Walcott is yet to disgrace himself <laughs> Horrible managerial performance too. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, Mr. Rossbird. Thank you, thank you. Um, so um, <laughs> we're going to talk about obviously Arsenal, Chelsea. Although I did threaten not to turn up for this week's pod. Um, <laughs> I, I did threaten to do just a. That was before even the game. That was just after Dave's Brighton takes from last week. But I did. So I suppose we should get right down to it. Um, three nil, three. Sorry, felt felt like three nil. I wanted to turn it off at three nil. Three um, one in the end for Arsenal. Um, much changed eleven. So let's start with the lineup. Um, Ross, we'll give you the first chance to talk us talk to us about the lineup. What did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, well, I liked him giving the the three youngsters a go behind uh, Lacazette, Smith Rowe. Um, I thought was really good in there. Uh, Saka was man of the match, though, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just... Smithrow brings the creativity that we haven't had in there. Because Lacazette's been playing in there behind behind the striker, and he's he's not really that kind of player. It's also not good. Um, so... Well, I, I'm not sure that's true, but... He's got a decent record, to be fair. Ross loves Ross loves underperforming players that can be backed by stats. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dave, as uh, the in and around pods, um, foremost uh, expert on under twenty three football. Um, <laughs> what did you think of Arsenal's slightly more youthful side? And I've just realised I've just made you sound like a right nonce there. It's just because Dave yeah, likes under twenty three football. <laughs> Good I was happy for him to play Martinelli. I know he's still coming back from injury, really. But what a player he is, though. It's been exciting ever since he signed, really. So I was happy to see him back. Um, Saka, obviously, last season or two, has shown himself to be, I'd say, probably one of the best young players in the league, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. He's a good player. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it was nice to see him try someone like Smith Rowe because Lacazette Aubameyang hasn't really been working. Um, to be honest, most of the midfield, Sabaos, like doesn't really bring you that much going forward, which is what they've been lacking. So yeah, I thought it was I thought it was wise for him to to try something else. Really, sure. Ross Bird wanted to to jump in then, and I think criticised Danny Sabaos. Ross, do you want to say something to Sabaos? I was going to say he doesn't bring a lot going either way, or in uh, any regard. To be yeah. fair, just yeah. to add to that, but yeah. cracking understanding of the wine list on Team Nights Out, I've heard. Um, <laughs> Mike, yourself, um, we've talked a lot about in the past about when a season's almost gone, giving you for chance. Did you like the lineup as well, or did you? You obviously we like the performance, but looking ahead at the at the start of the game when you looked at it, were you okay with it, or did you think Jesus Christ? Well, when uh, when you've got the visit of Chelsea, I think it was pretty risky. But the whole this whole narrative about him giving uh, 
youth a chance is just total waffle, to be honest. Because, why, is it, why is it total waffle? Well, three, the three, three players that would have played probably in this game are out because of COVID. So who else is he going to play? Was it Bamiyang out with COVID? No, he had a calf strain, I think. Well, there you go. So he's not out with COVID. But Gabriel, who was going to start, David Luiz and William are all out uh, with COVID or I mean, illnesses. Yeah. Saka plays a lot anyway. Martin that he played midweek against City as well. Having come back, suppose, who else is he going to play? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Has William had COVID? I mean, it's Smith. Smith Rowe is probably the one. <laughs> yeah, Smith Rowe, I'd say, would, would be the surprise. In fairness, yeah. I, I like to see the youth getting a chance, and I think particularly Saka is a is a fantastic player. Yeah. Um, Ordered the Saka shirt after the game. Yeah, to be honest, I respect that. I was I was really enjoying watching him, particularly in this game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think we're we're a little. We just need to be a bit careful with over giving him too much credit for something that he was almost forced into. I think um, I think part of the the youth um, uh, narrative sort of started in the middle of the game because this really was a case of a team that. A team that looked tired and didn't work hard versus a team of slightly youth, more youth actually really working their socks off in Arsenal. And it was effort in the end of the day, I thought, that, that made the big difference. Um, Ross, Arsenal have been pretty boring, pretty stilted this season. This performance, anything but. Would you just see promising signs to think about going forward? Yeah, definitely, to be honest. Um, I thought we pressed well from the front showed real it, showed, it looked coordinated which it hasn't in the past um, okay um, yeah yeah we pressed really well for the front um, which obviously uh, with Ozil in the team in past years maybe he didn't have that uh, I thought Lacazette led the line quite well as well um I actually Bro. think Lacazette does quite a good job up there. He oh, doesn't I get a do lot too, of credit man. for I what do, he does. I, do. I, I hate him. I hate watching him play. I hate watching him play. He's got 41 in 109 Prem games. I know. I just I just hate watching him play. Um, but I guess what I wanted to wanted to ask almost is um, if you're Arteta and you've got everyone to pick from the next game, what are you doing next game? Are you... Are you sticking with the lads who beat Chelsea, or are you bringing back in the the likes of Gabriel and um, Aubameyang? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want Gabriel back. I think in there, I wouldn't want to take holding out. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, um, me too. I think if Aubameyang's fit, I think he he has to play really um, instead of Lacazette. But but the three behind this the striker, I don't think I'd change that. Definitely not. Okay, okay. Um, Dave, what did you make of Arsenal's performance? Yeah, I thought they were, thought they were really good. They they pressed pretty well. I thought, as you say, well, it was more sort of effort. And players, yeah, they just worked so hard at this team. Really, um, I think having the energy and the pace actually in behind Lacazette is really what made them quite good going forward um yeah it's just it, it took me by surprise to be honest because when i saw the lineup i thought he's taking a bit of a risk actually with with some of those players but 
clearly this is why he's a manager and I'm I'm someone sat on <laughs> Skype on a podcast. So fair play out well, I mean <laughs> he's a manager and you're soon to be going sent down for tickling people outside Tipton. <laughs> so there we are. Um Mike, yeah. Arsenal play well or Chelsea play bad? Which one is it? <clears throat> yeah, it's actually a really good question because I spent most of the game trying to work out which which one was which. Yeah, uh, I, I think Chelsea. I know which really, one I think it was? Chelsea really <laughs> didn't turn, did not turn up at all in this game. No. No. James had a just a torrid time at right back. Um, Thiago Silva didn't look his usual self. Werner was pretty much non-existent for most of the game. Uh, I, I forgot Kovacic was playing, actually, if I'm honest. One really nice touch, but then it's classic classic Kovacic, where there's a couple of really nice touches in there, and at the end of the game, you look at his stats and you're like, he's not actually done anything while accumulating good stats. Um, and yeah. then, of course, Mike, game over as a contest at the second half when Jorginho came on. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. He offered nothing apart from a, a hop, skip and a penalty miss. He's... F- He's fucking useless. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm sick to death of him. He's, I, I would fire him out of a cannon if I could. Um, the Arsenal cannon, maybe. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, we want to talk about Arsenal, but I'm just going to quickly say, uh, I thought as good as Arsenal were, I thought, and they deserved to win, I thought Chelsea were bad. And I also thought, if you look at the goals and the variance in them, the penalty was a penalty. I don't really know what Gary Neville was saying. It's soft, but it is a penalty. Yeah, it was definitely a penalty. Yeah, for me it was, yeah. The Jack, the Jack of free kick is just one of those ones where you can't really, you can't legislate for that. Oh, what and, a strike that was. And, 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 the, and, the, and the Saka one was, the Saka one was just, again, If uh, at first I thought he meant it because I thought he looked, but having no watched chance. it back. No chance. No, 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 not, no, not a fucking chance. So that being said, so for all their dominance again, you would for for as well as they played Arsenal, they still there was still a few problems with chance creation. There was still a few problems where they needed they needed to rely on a penalty, much like in their last great performance versus Man United. Um and Chelsea even in the last ten minutes created enough possibly to even nick something. Which is a worry for your Arsenal that they were so dominant and they're still so fragile. I mean, Chelsea were a good side, yeah. And they, and this was Chelsea at their worst and they still caused them some problems. That was my worry when in the aftermath where everyone everyone went a little bit overboard. Everyone went a little bit oh it's Arsenal are back, Arteta are back, Lampard needs to be sacked. It's all like a bit overboard because this season is weird, full of weird things and they've got a lot of people playing a lot of times. I will say, Frank, you needed to give your players a rest about five games ago. There was a run of games where Timo Werner played every 10 games out of position on the wing and now he looks tired. Now he looks knackered. Kante looks tired and beat down and run about. Mason Mount doesn't look tired because he's got lungs made of iron but the rest of them looked like they needed a a break yeah so that was that was the problem for Lampard but on the day the players are just not playing well enough anyway that being said good result for the Arsenal but I'll tell you what hasn't been good for the Arsenal Dave (laughs) look at that for a segue (laughs) um this season as a whole um Arsenal five of their 15 Premier League games, sit 15th. Get approaching the midway point of the season where you really have to start to to worry for them. Um, 
Ross, this season in general been massive disappointment. What 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 sort of your views been on it? Has it been a case of you you just you sort of saw it coming, or is it a case that you you didn't see it coming and you were very optimistic, like the three of us were? Let's not forget, Mike picked them to finish in the Champions League spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I agree with that at the start before the season. Thanks, I thought Ross, we'd be, I I thought we'd be better than Tottenham. Um, yeah, definitely was a lot more optimistic. I didn't see this happening at all, for sure. Um, I did feel like we turned a corner at the end of last season, maybe. Um, although we did have worrying results then, too. We did lose to Villa uh, at the end of last season as well. Not as badly as we did at the start of this season. But, uh... <laughs> They're a good side, the Villa. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been a worry all season. Um, not really performing as you expect and I think the worst thing about it has been some of the some of the football's been quite turgid compared to what you think of um, Arsenal in the past yeah has that been the worry for you that the quality and the just of the attacking players declined so massively is that a worry long term yeah yeah I mean long term I mean it's definitely a worry because even under Emery we played some some nice to watch attacking football mm. and scored scored goals at a pretty good rate to be fair the problems were going the other way which has certainly improved this year but um, you're right we've played games we haven't created a single good chance at all I mean some of that sounds to Aubameyang I mean usually such a great finisher but we haven't been creating the, the chances at all in some games um, so definitely a worry uh, yeah. a long term worry I, I don't know we'll have to see um. Mike, have you seen anything from Arteta that makes you think he can coach an attack that is up there with what we, we've we seen and we know you have to do to win the Premier League? Because our worry about Solskjaer is they can't reliably break down teams. Um, and that's, that's a worry I have here as well. Do you share that worry? or? In, in fairness, uh, <laughs> when I predicted him to finish in the top four, yeah, I thought I'd seen uh, plenty from Arteta that, that we liked, but I don't mean this season's been a bit of a strange one. They've, uh, <clears throat> as Ross said and you've said as well, they're, they're not creating any chances. We know Aubameyang can finish chances. That's what he's good at. But he, he just hasn't been getting any service that I've seen. And uh, I think on, on this pod, we, we, the last time we spoke about Arsenal in some depth, there was before the Burnley game. And I said they were going to lose that game if they continue playing the way they are. And they went and lost it 1-0. Yeah, and I don't remember them creating all that much in that game. No, we didn't. That was terrible, terrible performance. That was I'd, not helped by a granite jacker <laughs> moment of madness once again. Yes, I mean that's not helpful. <clears throat> uh, was it? Was it El Nene that we? That, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he, he should have gone. gone off I, I don't know how he didn't go. But they've won, as you said earlier, they've won five of fifteen games. It's just not good enough. No. It's not even close to good enough. They've lost more games than they've won or drawn this season in the league. Mm-hmm. They're just at the moment they're just Europa League merchants, just beating Dundalk on a Thursday night and then coming back and losing to unbeaten in the Europa, Mike. Six out of six. <laughs> well, I should, I should hope so. <laughs> I should hope so. That's really yeah, you're right. But we did go it, down I... to to, to Mulder or Dundalk at one point. <laughs> that can happen to anyone, Gosh. but <clears throat> I mean, it's certainly. As far as right now, 
Lacazette works hard, but he's he's not creating that much. They just don't have. I mean, you you can talk about Ozil, but they were supposed to sign that Awa in the summer, or they tried to. And I think even we saw what the difference that Fernandez had when he came in at United. Someone like that that can at least create something out of just nothing. Yeah, it was would, that, would be huge for Arsenal. But that was William, Mike. That's <laughs> why they bought William. They looked oh, at his no, stellar no. record at Chelsea and they were like, you know what, that's the man. That's the man to bring this attack into the next generation. Come on. That, that would have been fine if they, if they hadn't given him three years. Three yeah. years. Would have been fine. Three years at 220k. No, but, yeah, no, but I'd say he's on a two-year deal. You're, you're out of there at the end of next season. That's not that bad. But you've got another year after that. I mean, if this is a one-year deal, I'm looking like a bank signing right now. If it yeah, was a one-year even a one-year deal. Doesn't look too bad. But to give him three years is just totally ridiculous. We will talk about the recruitment in a minute. Um, but before then, we touched on the need for creativity. Um, we know we've talked about the Ozil situation before as a pod. I know um, me and Mike are a bit more sceptical of what he could actually bring to the side now, whereas you, you were a bit more in favour, Dave. Where do you stand on the whole Ozil situation, Ross? Where do you, how do you think about it? Well, I don't think there's any doubt about his ability to create chances, and we don't have anyone like that else at the club. Uh, the, the problem comes with, well, as we've said, maybe our pressure from the front was one of the main reasons we were good, the effort we put in up there. And yeah. you, you just don't you just don't get that with him. But having said that, I don't see the problem in having him in the squad. If you're struggling to break down a team, ten minutes yeah. left in the game, I don't. I think he still has stuff to offer. I mean, I yeah, uh, I've always liked him at Arsenal. I know he's been a bit up and down, but um, I'd like to see him in and around the squad. Great podcast, uh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, Mike, uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to say I've kind, I've, I've kind of come round to the idea that he really should just be used now because they, having watched them the last few weeks, apart from on the Boxing Day, they really just, they just don't know what to do when they get near the box. Half of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's Lacazette in between, in behind Aubameyang, and you've got Willian and one wing. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, it's not great, is it? I mean, that that Burnley game again. To go back to that, that would have been a, a you can you can carry an Ozil against Burnley. You just can. Well, I, I would I would point to Hannes at Everton. I mean, yeah. he's worse than Ozil. I would say for going for tracking back, he puts next to no effort in going that way, and I, he still plays for them every week when he's fit. I so. Think I think there's no if you build your team around a creative number ten, it's you can do it. And I think, and then it, and it's fine. You can play him. Like Özil's problem when they played Özil was never in the home games. It was never against when he was at his most like absolute. You wanted him in the side. It was like Sunderland at home or Burnley at home. These teams that are going to come in, sit deep, and you need someone to unlock, unlock a pass. You're not playing him at United away. Like it's not for me. It's not either or, is it? It's one of those where you just look at him and you think to yourself, "Football's about a game of options." So I, I sort of agree with you, Mike. Now, on his ability as a footballer, after not playing for a long time, 
it's there to be seen. I, I still well, that, don't think he's the answer to all the problems. That is a good point because you've seen that Bale at Spurs, we all thought was going to be better than he's been. And yes. he, he hasn't played in some time and he's been pretty poor, to be honest, I'd say, coming in at Spurs. Yeah, not good. He hasn't started a whole lot in the league, as you know, no. to be fair. It is hard to be... It is hard to be an attacker in that Spurs team, though, I think, given that Mourinho's yeah. asking him to play right back. Um, <laughs> he is. I'm, I like Mourinho, but yeah, what he's doing right now with Spurs is working. But Well, it was working, it, but it's it's not great to watch. Um, oh, that's, I'm just sick of Ozil talking. <laughs> it, honestly, every time someone talks about Arsenal, it's like, it's like Ozil, Ozil, Ozil. I'm like, well... Maybe his problem is for most season they play Bamiyang left wing, playing two strikers out there. And like I liked it at first, but now I just, I just, Arteta has does has this weird Pep thing, which Pep usually has in the quarterfinal yeah. in the Champions League, where he's like, I've got to show them I'm clever. I've got to do this weird tactical innovation. I've got to play like David Luiz as a a false eight or something to see if I can unlock this part and he just has that weird thing and he just does some weird things I'm not sure that's why Aubameyang hasn't been scoring though being out on the left because he's proven he can score from out on the left no but if you've got a more suited winger who can create more from the left for Aubameyang in the middle that's probably a thing I'm not worried about his it's not his scoring outputs the problem with Aubameyang on the left it's the lack of ability and lack of width for Arsenal that's the problem on the left because he's not creating anything from out wide for other players from out there. No, no, no. Anyway, anyway, let's. Should we talk about um, Aubameyang and his um, that contract? How are you feeling about that contract now, Ross? I, I don't feel any different about it. I mean, we had to we had to sign him to it, didn't we? So, mm-hmm. I mean, if we'd let him go, we'd, we'd well as shown we wouldn't meet the the price for a while. So. We would not have been able to fork out the money for a striker that could, well, in theory, put up his output. As it turned out, anyone could have scored three goals in the league pretty much this year so far. But uh, yeah, uh, we had to get him signed to it. I can't explain why. I mean, his XG per 90 this year is 0.14, which is woeful. Timo Werner misses that in a half of football. Club. Oh, no. <laughs> um, right, so discussion time. Arsenal's decline, um, particularly since um, there's an argument that it started pre-Wenger, which is where I'm falling out. There's an argument that Wenger wasn't really responsible and that it's only happened now. Um, when did Arsenal stop being the all-conquering arsenal of our youth to you, Ross. When was the first time where you thought you, you were going into a season where you were like, not only are we not a risk for the league title, but we're not a risk for the top four, we're not a risk for any of this. Is that a new thing for you? Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last time I thought Arsenal were good for a league title, to be honest. It's been some time. Certainly, I mean... I always thought we could get the top four because we always had done it. My whole life, we had done it. Yeah. Especially with Wenger. Um, but I've, I think I've always felt that we're a top four side, pretty much. Uh, other than maybe maybe under Emery, I thought there'd be a bit of a transition. Yeah. Uh, a few Europa League seasons as well. 
while we sort of switched over, but um, we haven't been the all-conquering, as you say, Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, it's been... A long I mean, time. You, you, you're talking like Van Persie. Uh, Van Persie, Nasri, Fabregas, that team is probably the last really, really good team we had. Yep. Um, Theo Walcott, too, was there. Theo, um, 108 goals all comes, is what I've been told. Um, yeah. By Dave earlier on. Um, <laughs> speaking of Mr. Harris, Dave, um, you took issue with a tweet by Piers Morgan, which in itself isn't a bad thing because you could take a million issues with Piers Morgan, um, both as an Arsenal fan and as a man. Um, but... <laughs> Dave, your issue was that Piers seemed to insinuate that the decline was partly responsible as Wenger, as mm. much as these new managers. Um, do you want to explain your thoughts on Arsenal's decline, it, where it started, really? It's a tough one, to be honest, Will, because I think, like, I guess you could say Wenger started the decline, but then I don't know what anyone else would have done differently to what he did. I feel the whole club was already on a decline. Like they hit at this huge peak, like the Invincibles. I've been winning Leeds before. But still, we get the point. They only one this... of those gold Premier League trophies, but only one of them. Yeah, only one of those teams that lost the Wayne Bridge in the semi final Champions League thing. <laughs> Let's keep moving, though. They hit this huge peak, and there's no way a club is ever going to stay up there. Like there's no way teams won't become better than you or at least compete with you at the same level. That's obviously what's happened. And then, obviously, you could say when players like Van Persie left, like Nasri, Clichy, Fabregas, when they all left in like a pretty short time, that was really, as Ross says, the last like really good team that they had. But if Arsenal, like any manager in that situation, if Fenger, if Arsenal aren't going to pay those players the wages they wanted at the time, what's any other manager going to do? It's not his fault that those players left. But then I do get that at the end of, in his last couple of seasons especially, he didn't leave them with a particularly great squad, it has to be said. And then with the Aaron Ramsey situation, that's an interesting one, was that Wenger was at the board. Um, me and Will discussed this in the early hours a few weeks ago on Twitter. Um and basically, my thing at first was you can't blame Wenger like Wenger bought so much for the club. But thinking about it as a whole thing, towards the end of his time, they're definitely... Yeah, they got a few FA Cups that jazzed up that spell. Definitely were nowhere near the team that they had been even like five years before they started winning those FA Cups. Um, but then I, it's, it's so hard to say because there's so much going on with the board. But I think as a club, they definitely started to decline under Wenger. I just don't know if you can necessarily say that that is Wenger's fault himself. I mean, I would say the, the squad he left was far better than the squad that Ferguson left Moyes. Yeah. yeah. Which Very was really bad. Yeah. And yeah. I, don't, yes. I, think, I do think there's, there's two... I do think there's an interesting parallel between the two. Particularly when you see... You see, I think... I think it's probably only natural that when you're when you're at a club for so long and that stagnation sets in and you you think you're on your way out, you don't do things you used to do at the same level. Because we we saw it under Ferguson twice, didn't we? We saw it we saw it in the middle mid two thousands when Jose turned up and he thought, oh, hey, it's a challenge again. I'll keep going. And then we saw it at the end of twenty thirteen when, for all his brilliant 
managerial. That's how you know he's the greatest manager and coach of all time is because he took that team to a league, to a league title. Um, but it, it is a, probably the, the blot on the two of them is you'd, the way the clubs have sort of both stagnated. Um, and I think it's shown that you can't just throw money at it because United just threw money at it and never really um, fixed it. And Mike Breslin is shaking his head because he's already can feel another United rank coming up. <laughs> but um, I'm going to stop though. But Mike, for you, the decline of Arsenal, if you had to like pinpoint a sort of some of the reasons as for why they're, they're in, they're where they are, what, what would it be for you? Uh, <clears throat> I guess it, there is a lot of parallels with the situation at United. Um, Arsenal aren't as well off as far as then they're not they can't just no. go to 200 million at a window which United have and probably yeah. will continue to do and h- half the signings at United have failed maybe more than half um, I think a lot of recruitment hasn't gone that well I do think the team that Wenger left wasn't great I think I just think they've struggled to replace certain players and for years even with when Wenger was in charge, we thought there's no steel in midfield, there's no leaders in that team, and he never, ever, some like we were crying out for it, and he never found a way to get some in his team. I think so that's, that's, uh, that's been a chronic problem at Arsenal for years. Yeah, I mean, we did have when we had the new stadium built. I think it was '06. We we started playing in there. We were under some financial restraints. Yeah. Um, so players were going out and we weren't... I mean, Arsenal made a lot of good signings for not big money. Um, but that obviously didn't help when you got Van Persie leaving to a, a rival. Fabregas obviously wanted to go back to Barcelona. Yeah. Um, Nasri leaving for a rival. I mean... Those are, those are pretty tough losses to take when you can't replace them, really. Yeah. Pretty tough losses, but even at the same time, there was still... The idea that Arsenal had gone soft and that Wenger was sending out these teams that were their mentality just wasn't right was there even then. Like the hmm. question, the questions were there, and I think there's there's cert- for me that at least I oh, sound like Dave. And um, there's certainly uh, there's certainly two points where you have to look at the recruitment, which we'll come on to the more recent recruitment in a few. But you look at the long term recruitment and the penny pinching and maybe not signing the right players at the right time. Um, and then you look at sort of like the, almost like a malaise that they let settle in at the club. Like you, you see it to some extent now, uh, um, some of the other clubs like United and Chelsea, you just see, you see that these, you've got these teams that we're used to winning everything and the players they've got in right now, perhaps haven't got the mentality of being winners. They haven't got that mentality, which is so evident in a team like Liverpool, for example. And I think Arsenal's decline, at least in a sort of a team that you used to think to yourself, well, they're going to at least, they're going to go into every game thinking they can win. Certainly did start to happen under Wenger. Um, Anyway, recruitment. Let's, let's run through a few of the few things. Because Dave, you want to talk about Saliba, the Saliba situation. Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of speculation around it, so it's hard to really say what actually is going on. I don't think anyone knows what's actually going on other than probably the board, maybe Arteta and Saliba himself. I should hope Um, Saliba knows what's going on. (laughs) 
Well, on his Instagram comments, you wouldn't you wouldn't be sure. Um, yeah. Basically, Saliba, great young centre back they got from Saint Etienne, arranged in that transfer to loan him back to Saint Etienne for last season, which is why he didn't play at all for Arsenal last season. Um, this season he hasn't featured at all, but he's been playing under twenty threes, which would suggest that obviously he's fit. Um, he's not just coming back from an injury because he's been playing for them pretty much every week. I have seen some things flying around that Saint Etienne think that the transfer agreed for him to loan be loaned back for two seasons. So obviously this season being the second. And there could be some sort of legal dispute or something, which is why he can't play for the first team. Either way, it's strange to look at for getting that, just because he's obviously playing for the under-23s. People seem to say that he plays quite well at that level and he's a young player. And Arsenal have had problems at the back. find it a bit strange that he's not at least been given a chance, Mm -hmm. just because... Of most young players, all you can ask is that they play well in the under-23s. That's where most of them start, right? And they play well in the under-23s, so you give them a chance in the first team. He's been doing that, but yeah, for some reason, which I don't think anyone really knows other than the club, he's he's not been given that chance yet. So I find it quite strange. It is odd, given how well Fafana, his old centre-back partnership at Senna, Etienne's doing at Leicester. Um, Ross, so... Money spent on Saliba, obviously the hope he was going to become the next great thing. We've already covered that William was given a disastrous new contract. Yep. Um, and I, what I would love to see is William needs to be on a pay-by-play, which is he gets paid if he can beat the first man from a corner. Um, <laughs> and then we've also, we also saw last year we talked about perhaps not spending money in the right place. £72 million pounds on Pepe, who hasn't has underperformed so far. Um Arsenal's recruitment like, been a bit hit or miss because obviously you've got players like Gabriel who've looked good and you've got party who the jury's out on. How do you feel about the last transfer window and maybe the one before? I mean, regarding Pepe, you're right, he's, he's underperformed. Um, I mean, for 70 million or however much it was around that much. I mean, for a club record signing, he's, he's not delivered. Um, but Liverpool were supposedly really in for him as well. So it wasn't and I didn't. I didn't know too much about him when we signed him. To be fair, but I mean, I'm, I'm saying other big clubs are after. That's him. that's how you know a signing is bad when you've got to be like, oh, Sorry. someone else wanted him too. That's how you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch. I don't watch the French league, do I? So no, not like. I know, that. I know he scored a lot of goals, but a lot of them were from the penalty spot. Um, yeah. So I mean, I would argue if we had seventy million to spend, was was that the place to spend it? I would say definitely not. Because um, in that window we had a, a real problem at centre back. I mean, yeah, we've got Gabriel now. Is looking looks good this season and holding. Yeah. Uh, if he can stay fit, I'm pretty happy with him. To be fair, um, with Partey, I mean, I don't doubt that he's a good player. But if a while was going to cost us fifty, and we wouldn't reach that, but Partey cost us forty six, and he's not really the sort of player that I said I would have thought that I mean they would have known Arteta would have known he wasn't playing Ozil at that point yeah so he would have known that he would have known that we were lacking creatively and Awar brings more of that than yeah party does I mean for the sake of four million difference when the club were really keen on him I I don't really know with that either sack 50 more staff it'll be fine literally I was about to say that (laughs) 
<laughs> you did yeah, that to I, me, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Gunnosaurus wages are what, 20 million? Um, <laughs> Mike. Let's stick well, him at camp, see what he can do. Uh, actually, before going to you, Mike, are you, is it frustrating, Ross, going into the window? Every year, knowing what you need, like like you've like I can't remember which one of you said it. The steer, need for stealing midfield, the need for a centre back. It was you, wasn't it, Mike? Good stuff, Mike. There you are. Yeah. There's a wink. There's a wink. <laughs> um, is it is it nice? Well, not nice. Is it worrying that they just never seem to fix the right problem? At the yeah, right, I mean the, right, you, the problem at the right time. Okay, we got there eventually. As we touched on earlier, the end of Wenger, it was clearly a holding midfield player that we were lacking. Um, I mean, although we weren't spending huge money, we were spending money, just not in that area. When it was, as you've said, obvious to every pundit and everyone that that's where we needed to be spending it. And yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's just carried on. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't have said a winger was what we needed when we when we bought Pepe, you. especially for that money. No, we didn't get a million. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, you wait a year, get William. I'd have paid the seventy to not have to watch him. I've had to watch it this season. Um, uh, two times champ, two times Premier League winner. Dave, you wanted to quickly touch on something. Yeah, I do think Arsenal actually have tried to cover these positions. Um, holding what? midfield, they bought Torreira and Guendouzi, who could have become really good players, but they haven't worked out. I, I, like I, that, I, like that. No, but they have tried to. Basically, what they've done is for some reason their marquee signings have been on positions that weren't where a marquee signing was needed. I think and they have tried to plug the gaps, but it's just mostly gone horribly wrong. Like, I mean, he's from Dortmund at face value wasn't a horror at centre-back. He wasn't good. No, terrible. Um, I, th- I, think, I think, yeah. And, but at the time, I, when he I came thought in, that was a decent signing. Sign, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean... You say they've tried to plug that hole. Ten years after the hole first appeared, they yeah. bought yeah. Is this is this not is this not the problem Coughlin, of Arsenal? Um... Is this not the problem of Arsenal? Coughlin was all right. I yeah, mean, was... clearly not good enough. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, you're is... right. It's it's a real problem. Isn't this the problem with the recruitment? Because yeah. you you say they've tried to plug the spots. So your two examples were Torreira and I mean, Guendouzi, Guendouzi wasn't bought for the first well, like, team. Like, yeah, it exactly. turned out to be quite good. Guendouzi was bought from a League Two club for little money. They're not buying him to protect the position. We no. knew they needed steel. Like, Lucas Torreira on paper looked a good player, but there was also questions over his physicality because he's not he's not the biggest in a league that demands a huge physical presence. Thing. Yeah, I'm not just, I mean, look at Kante. I mean... There's a, yeah, but there's a difference. One's a freak yeah. of nature and... Yeah, of course, but I mean... Lucas Torreira. Yeah. Um, but... Also, you look at the last time Wenger himself tried to fix it by buying Xhaka, someone who's not particularly mobile, needs a lot of space to thrive, is perfect. The slower pace where you don't get pressed is a problem. <laughs> is a problem in the physical nature. So isn't so we can say they tried to address it, but yeah. their attempts to address it, you saw the biggest, the bigger problems with Arsenal. Yeah. The first time they really addressed it was by signing Party this summer. Yes. Yes. He's not a pure holding midfielder, though, is he? No, but I mean, at least he can. He can do it. Got a bit yeah. of thrust, they would say, yeah. wouldn't they? He's yeah. got a bit of something going on in there. Yeah, yeah. steady. Um, <sighs> go on, party. Thomas. Party again. It's good to actually see him on the pitch again. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. 
So, I think... Glossed over Granite Xhaka there, I like that. It's made fun. Well, Arsenal's future captain, I am. Um, <laughs> if, if you're Ross, immediate needs in January, let's assume you've got not crazy money, but you can go out and buy a position, you can spend a bit of money. Where are you spending that money? Um, yeah, uh, an attacking midfielder yeah. who can create some kind of chances for Aubameyang. Um, I mean, obviously Smithrow was good, but I mean, I'm not sure. It's, he's played one game, so you can't <laughs> say that. And I don't think we are going to have any money. Uh, no, I don't think you will. So. Hopes uh, for the rest I of mean, the season, then? Yeah. Hopes for the rest of the season. I mean, not getting relegated would be quite good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we could get up into the top half, I don't know, like eighth or ninth or something, I'd be pretty happy with that, given how we started, to be honest. It's a crazy season, so not too bad. Um Mike, I'm going to give you the opportunity to revise your Arsenal prediction. Where do you think they're going to finish now? Uh, Liverpool, they're going to finish about... Above yeah, Liverpool? Probably, no, no, probably, <laughs> probably ninth. Ninth, okay. I like that. I that's, like a be- that's a better prediction. That's a better prediction. Yeah. Okay. Maybe even tenth, actually, looking at the teams above them. I'll, I'll take that too. <laughs> um, Some, somewhere in there. Interestingly enough, we now go to our um, regularly scheduled programming and we start with Mike's Joel Linton report. Mike, how did he get on? Well, he, he led the line with just great style at the Etihad, <laughs> to be did honest. He? Did he? Yeah. A lot of touches of the ball, a lot of touches of the ball. In fairness, I don't think he got too much service. So, you know, there's more feeding on scraps, you know, leftovers from Christmas, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you got a stat Not, of the week for me? I do. Hold so, on one second. Mike, introduce the segment. <laughs> <laughs> it's David's stat of the week. There we go. Perfect. Right, Dave, so my Dave. stat of the week. Patrick Bamford, since the start of last season, has missed 28 big chances. What are we doing with the Bamford slander here? Here's Will's stat of the week. Patrick Bamford scored 10 goals from 15 <laughs> games, which is the most from a newly promoted team ever in the Premier League. There you go. There's Will start of the week. Had enough for you. <laughs> Bamford slander. We're fully mem- fully fledged up card-holding members of Bamford Island over here at the end of the round podcast. Um, <laughs> Wazak of the week. Is it Dave after that stat? <sighs> I don't know. It's, um, it's the entire Chelsea team. Well done, lads. You're ruined. <laughs> No, no, no. It's Jorginho. There you are. Then done. Although Great George... save, though, from Leno. Great save. You'd give him Wazak of the Week every week, Will, to be honest. Um, I'd like to give him a bullet. That's what I'd like to give him. <laughs> um, so, just quickly before we uh, we say goodbye, uh, Dave, you wanted to quickly talk about Palace because you were you were seeing another perhaps underperforming manager you could try and get sacked. Do you want to <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, lads, I think my thing's frozen, so not going to say anything. Is, is, you think is it's 13th place underperforming? Hold on. Not Roy Hodgson frozen. My screen's frozen. I don't know what's going on. Dave, you're, you're fully here. You're just trying to get out of trying to get someone. No, sad. no. <laughs> on my screen, you three are all frozen. Well, keep going, Dave, because you're here. I just want you to right, talk. Okay. No worries. I don't want to. Right. 
Well, it's it's more the fact that the football they're playing is they've had some worrying results. They're not really getting on the ball, and yeah, they do find themselves thirteenth. It's not it's not particularly promising when they lose seven 0 against Liverpool. You can be like, fair enough, Liverpool are by far and away the best team in the league. But to lose three 0 to a team that had ten men for over an entire half, that that's worrying. That is worrying for any team. Okay. Viewers, I want you to go back to last week's episode. And I want you to listen to Dave's concerns about a team that were playing <laughs> playing with style but weren't picking up any points. And then I want you to record th- rewind this to go to the point where Dave goes, I'm just worried about the football they're playing. And I want you to listen to the but, two, see if you can work out what the fuck he's going on about. But Crystal Palace don't have a style of football. That's the problem. They need to to every game, and he hopes that Wilfred Zaha produces some magic. That's it. Oh, so you mean how Mourinho won a title with Hazard? That's what you do when you've got a good player, a good creative player. You give him the ball, yeah, you let him win. Wilfred Zaha is nowhere near the level of Hazard. Will. No, but he's good enough to win you games in this league. Um, so, are you suggesting that we need to start worrying about Crystal Palace? It's some I... relegation race, this, by the way. There's a lot of Burnley, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United, Arsenal, Newcastle. <sighs> so everyone below Leeds is apparently in the in the race for the drop. Yeah, but you is were you legitimate worry? Are you legit worried about Palace and their lack of ability to create anything resembling a chance with Wilf Sahar's not involved? Yeah, and I am. They don't really have. Like Eze's an exciting player, don't get me wrong. I love I love Eze. He's great. But Townsend is sort of one of those needy players, which is why he's out of a team like Crystal Palace. <laughs> and on Talk Sport. He's just not he's just just never even lived up to what he could have been, really. Uh, and not that that was like some sort of stardom. He's just not not ever really been the player that he, he could have been at one point. Um Bentake is I think they've been putting out a body double, frankly, for the last two seasons. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Mayu, I don't know, he had an injury. Maybe he's actually, again, maybe a body double's appeared this season because I don't know what's going on with him. Um, uh, I've got it. I've got it. He's shot last season as an outlier. There you are. Yeah, it could be. Uh, and then Milahevic and MacArthur are maybe the two most like immobile Flipping defensive mm. mid-hands. Mm. There's another one down there in that relegation squad <laughs> from uh, Switzerland. Uh, where's 34 for a team in red, Dave? <sighs> got, one wearing... <laughs> got, one, got one wearing number five, who is Italian but also Brazilian somehow, and has about as much flair as a cheese board. <laughs> Just mild cheddar on it. Honestly. Honestly, I'm going to start going into some of these football clubs. I'm going to demand to see birth certificates because I refuse to believe Williams Brazilian. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> William, Mike, why, sh- why shouldn't we be worried about Crystal Palace? Oh, they, they're just Palace. They're, they've lost a couple of games. They're going to win a couple of games. They're going to draw some games. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have enough points by the end of the season to stay up. Roy Hodgson's going to leave, go into the sunset. It's going to be great. They might sell Wolf as a harm in January. Who knows what's happening at Palace, but they're not going to go down. No. 
<laughs> if they sell Will Valar in January, they're going down. Well, they're oh, going down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, wow. This just in. That was that was Michael Owen esque. It was teams really games. Going, that was... Some teams draw games, some teams lose <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, you can clip that and paste it for Brighton. Right. I, I also heard they might score goals and concede goals. Hold on. We actually <laughs> steady there, Mike. We actually like Brighton. We yeah, actually are Brighton, looking actually. at a thing where they're ten points worse off where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, Palace have scored five more goals than Arsenal, so I mean. Got to be more worried about the Reds, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, can't really argue with that. Anyway, the Palace have only conceded one less than Leeds, so they're pretty leaky, as it turns out. Which is that's the stat that I was a bit confused by, but I think they, I think that's legit just because of the leak. It doesn't help when you lose seven 0 You know, yeah, Palace have only kept, kept one clean sheet this whole season. Well, at least they're better to watch than most seasons, then. Well, I would say at least with Zaha, they've got a player who's better than all the other relegation, not their relegation team, but all the other teams down there. Yeah. This is what we spent all our season saying about Greenish is that, and Villa is that you think Villa will stay up simply because they got one world-class player. Um, that will do us because um, I'm still upset. I'm just so upset. <laughs> what they did to Reese James, they sent him out there unfit and they massacred my boy. Okay, until next time, Ross Byrne, if the people want to find you, where can they find you? Oh, God, don't ask me for my Twitter handle. I don't actually know it. What's your PSN? Ross Birdie 14 on the PlayStation Network. If you want to beat Ross, if you want to beat Ross Byrne FIFA, go to Ross Birdie 14 and play with one arm behind your back. Um, Dave, Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out which manager you want to get sacked next, where can they do that? <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, Dave Harris underscore 44. And I will be picking it's another Steve manager Bruce. for the sack race next week. Maybe run a poll on my Twitter. Get on that. <laughs> or, or, as I always say, if you want to uh, if you want to find Dave, uh, just put your head in the bin and you can hear his takes. Um, Mike, where can the people follow you to find out about the latest Samba sensation out the northeast? <laughs> uh, at Mikey Bresden on Twitter. And you can follow me at Warhunt17, but please don't please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including farmersonly.com. And if you want <laughs> to find our in-depth views, you can head around to in and and you can read our views there. There will be a roundup piece for all the festive football because there's just too much going on to keep track of. It's particularly when Jorginho is involved and I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> There's your, there's your Christmas cheer. For, I forgot to ask, did you have a good Christmas, all of you? Lovely, thanks, Rob. Yeah, yeah. good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. Christmas movies, anyone? Anyone watch any Christmas movies? Uh, the Polar Express. God. Die Hard 1. Miracle oh, on 34th Street. What a film. Great. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, well, next time I'll just ask us about food. Um, <laughs> Uh, until next time, goodbye. Cheers. 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 See you later. You say see you later. You're not coming back next week. <laughs> <laughs>